good day and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson and as always, thanks for joining us. At the beginning of the year, it looked really promising that the worst of the pandemic might soon be behind us. And a lot of us started making a lot of plans for returning to some of our normal life activities. That included Michigan's universities. There was, and maybe still is, a lot of hope that the fall will look more like what we'd expect without an ongoing pandemic. But the most recent surge in cases and hospitalizations has tempered a lot of those hopes. Some universities are now saying they're going to require students, faculty, and staff to be vaccinated before they can return to campus. That includes Oakland University here in Metro Detroit. So will more institutions of higher learning follow suit? Here to talk about how one of our major universities is navigating all of this is Dr. M. Roy Wilson. He is the president of Wayne State University right here in Midtown Detroit. Dr. Wilson, welcome back to Detroit Today. Um, sorry, I dropped off for a second there. I hope you didn't say anything that I needed to hear. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good to have you here with us. Um, so but before we talk about vaccinations and COVID and, and the fall semester, I do want to talk about an email you sent to the campus community on Tuesday uh, after the, the, the Chauvin verdict. And I want to read a quick excerpt of what you wrote. Uh, you said, while I believe this is a step in the right direction, it is but one step on the long road to equal justice for all citizens of this nation. Though I'm relieved, the work is far from complete. Even a just verdict can erase what we all witnessed in the infamous and horrific video. The crime for which Mr. Chauvin is now to pay was an unspeakable act of murder and injustice inflicted by a man who had sworn to uphold justice. Justice, at least as defined by our legal system, has been served, but it won't restore life to George Floyd, and it won't erase the grief of those who mourn him. Uh, talk about that message and how it's been received on campus. Yeah, I, I I think it's been received um, uh, very positively. I uh, just monitoring my emails. I don't, don't recall a a single negative one. There were a lot of positive ones. Um, you know, the second part of the message, which you didn't read, um, Stephen, is it was one of 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 hope of you know how we can uh, move forward. You know, from this and um, our individual and collective responsibility to do so. And, and I thought that that was important, too, mm -hmm. and not just to, you know, point out the verdict and, and the uh, unjust act that led to the uh, verdict, but, you know, what can we as individuals and as societies do and the individual and collective responsibilities that we have to make a better society. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're right. That second part of the message is kind of a challenge to the campus community with with some questions about, hey, what should we do next? What is the next conversation that, that we should have? And I think right now that is the that's the right space for all of our heads to be in is that there's more work to do. We don't don't necessarily know what that work looks like in every in every form but we should be asking that question what uh, what can we do and and how how should we do it yeah. Um, yeah, yeah go ahead you know one, one thing I do want to mention Stephen is that um, after the the actual um, uh, murder 
uh, we did uh, start a social justice action committee to look at, you know, what we can do. This is well before the verdict. This was last year. Uh, what we can do as a as a community and as a campus. And we came up with a whole series of recommendations that we're beginning to act on now. Um, I want to talk about what's going on with COVID, uh, but but I want to start, and I want to start from your area of expertise. I mean, you, we've had you on the show before, uh, talking about uh, your work as an epidemiologist um, and your your deep knowledge of. Uh, particularly the the gaps that exist uh, in in medical coverage and and uh, medical care for for people in in this country, I, I just want to quickly get your assessment of this latest surge, which I think takes a lot of us by surprise, uh, and, and as I said in the open, really interrupts the the march, the steady march that I felt like we were on for a while back to life as quote-unquote normal, whatever that, that, that word is going to mean. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing, isn't it? Um, Michigan really was a model early on in terms of what can be done, both in terms of overall uh, COVID cases and deaths, but also in terms of the racial disparity between um, black and white populations. And, you know, obviously the, the overall uh, situation has really deteriorated and a lot of the gains in terms of the disparity between blacks and whites are, are being uh, erased. They haven't quite gone back to the early days where it was a huge disproportionate uh, burden on the black population. But if this keeps going the way it's going, you know, it's possible we can we can revert back to that um, that hugely disparate uh, outcome. Uh, we're not there yet. Um, so it, it is disappointing. And in terms of, you know, why that's the case, well, you know, I, I think that there are a couple of hypotheses, but, um, you know, who knows? You know, one is the is the variant. Uh, Michigan has a, a lot of the B117 variant, mm -hmm. uh, the one that was um, in, uh, originated in the U.K., uh, versus uh, many other states. And that variant is thought to be you know, much more transmissible. Uh, and and probably more uh, virulent. Uh, so that certainly is, is a concern. You know, one of the things that hasn't been talked about, and and, and, and I emphasize that this is really is just a, a hypothesis. This has not in any way been proven. But, you know, Michigan, <clears throat> along with a few other states, New York and New Jersey are, are a couple of others, that was hit really hard at the beginning. And... Um, I, I wonder if it might be possible that a lot of people, you know, got the disease early on, developed some natural immunity uh, during the summer and into the early uh, winter. Uh, Michigan, as well as these other two states I just mentioned, was doing you know, actually very well. And then, um, and then it's not just Michigan, but New York also is not doing really well right now in New Jersey. And I wonder if maybe, you know, the common... Uh, denominator in all three is the the early uh, onset of uh, really a, a, a bad um, uh, disease early on. Um, I, I wonder if maybe a lot of people got immunized uh, naturally and then that immunization is wearing off and that's why it's, um, uh, you know, these, these states are disproportionately affected. Again, it's, uh, it's, it's a hypothesis. Mm -hmm. It's uh, 
it's not testable, um, but uh, it's plausible. So, so I wonder also what you make of the state's response to all of this. There's a lot of people who think that the governor should be shutting the state down again, as she did last year. She's said consistently that her guide on all of this is the science. And the science here, according to the CDC, says that we're in that we're in that space again where a shutdown yeah. makes sense. Of course, she's got political considerations to, to right. have to weigh as well. Right. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think it's always easy to play, you know, Monday morning quarterback. Um, you know, I've traveled um, um, by road a um, number of times over this past year. I'm on the board of the University of Miami Health System, and I had to be there a couple of times, and so I drove. And I, I will tell you that um, Michigan, at least earlier on, was doing much better in terms of compliance with public health mandates mm-hmm. than what I saw on the road in places like Tennessee and Georgia and Kentucky. And uh, it, it was actually scary. There were establishments that I just wouldn't even go in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, and they're doing better than Michigan is now, and and so it's it's easy to, um, you know, pick on one or two things and say that this is this is the cause. Uh, but as, as you say, um, you know, there are other considerations. I, I think the uh, governor overall has done a good job. If you're just talking about just a strictly public health perspective with no other considerations whatsoever, you know, obviously by by not allowing sports and not allowing restaurants to open up and so forth, it, it would have been better from just that one um, statistic. Uh, but having said that, you know the the, the um, uh, we seem to have leveled off. Um, we're we're we've leveled off at a very high level, but we seem to have leveled off. And in fact, there's some indications over the past couple of weeks that trend is going in the right direction Mm -hmm. and when you're in that phase um, uh, uh, experience has taught us from what's going on in other parts of the world that when you're in that phase where you're beginning that downward trend that uh, it's probably best not to uh, make any drastic changes uh, um, and and uh, just let uh, the public health measures that are in place um, and encouragement of mask wearing and, and continued uh, physical distancing and, and that continued reinforcement of those messages uh, should be adequate. Um, um, would I, if I were her, would I um, uh, enact uh, a complete shutdown at this point? You know, probably not, um, but I probably wouldn't have uh, opened uh, when when things did open, hmm. but again, you know, we're, we're talking about about um, a situation where we're looking at hindsight. And overall, I, I think she's done an outstanding job, and I'm not going to criticize you know, the decisions that she's made. Hmm. I'm talking with M. Roy Wilson. He's the president of Wayne State University. Uh, we're talking about the surge in COVID cases. We're talking about vaccinations, and we're talking about how it all might affect uh, life on college campuses here in the state of Michigan. We had been talking really excitedly about the idea of things getting back to normal, and especially by fall, I think, we were expecting that uh, colleges and universities would look a lot more like they did in 2019 than they did in 2020. Uh, But this new surge really has a lot of people thinking uh, a little differently about that, rethinking a lot of things that we had been kind of moving toward 
if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Uh, do you think universities should require people to get vaccinated before they can return to campus? Uh, what about other institutions and businesses? Uh, we especially want to hear from you if you are a university student or staff member or faculty member or a parent. Uh, how safe do you feel about the idea of returning to campus uh, at that at this point now or even in the fall? And tell us what would make you feel safer. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, and we'll work you into uh, into the conversation. Um, uh, before we get to listeners, uh, uh, talk to me about your own efforts at Wayne State, uh, Dr. Wilson. Uh, you recently made the decision to suspend campus activities because right. of this rise. Uh, what's the what's the next uh, step, and how how concerned are you about the possible spread here? Well, I'm very concerned, uh, and that's why we uh, depopulate the campus. You know, that decision was made based on parameters that we decided upon in the spring. Early on, we decided to uh, come up with a series of uh, metrics. There were, I think there were seven of them that we were going to follow. And if uh, if any of those metrics reached a, a certain point, we would call that heightened alert. And if they reached a a uh, higher point, we would say maybe some targeted actions would be necessary, like perhaps closing a building or something like that. And then if it reached a, a, another higher point, we would depopulate the campus. And the uh, one of the, the trigger points was if uh, there was a greater than 15% positivity over a seven-day period in the community, in the Detroit area, not in, on our campus, but uh, in the uh, community. And uh, Detroit had reached that. And so we uh, went right ahead with our plan. Um, and, and we decided to do this, Stephen, because early in the spring, I'm not going to name the university, but there was a university that uh, was experiencing a lot of, of infections in their student population. And it took them a week to decide what to do. Mm. And, um, you know, when, when things are happening, that's not the best time to make the decision. You know, you have a lot of competing factors, uh, you know, different biases, something or cognitive bias that, that enters in. You have students who have one opinion, you have faculty who may have a different opinion, and you're bombarded with all these different um, uh, inputs, and that's just not the right time to make a decision. So we decided that based on science, that we were going to predetermine what we were going to do uh, based on uh, when certain triggers were 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 met, and uh, our public health committee came up with the with the details on what those metrics would be, and uh, even before we reached that fifteen percent, we made that decision because it was trending in that direction, and we knew it was going to happen anytime soon, uh, sometime soon. That uh, we decided that we were going to uh, depopulate the campus and give people. A, uh, some warning that that was going to happen yeah. if uh, things didn't go back down, and it didn't, as, as we thought it probably wouldn't. And so we uh, uh, went ahead with our plans to depopulate the campus. Yeah. 
Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to continue this conversation with M. Roy Wilson, president of Wayne State University, and we are going to hear from you, the listeners. Gene in Detroit, uh, you'll be up first. Uh, we've got some social media comments that we'll try to work into the conversation as well. If you want to join, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what you think should be happening at our universities and colleges to deal with this new surge in COVID-19 cases. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day on 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. Listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is M. Roy Wilson. He's president of Wayne State University. We're talking about what's going on at colleges and universities in response to the COVID-19 surge, the unexpected COVID-19 surge that we're experiencing right now, which is really interrupting a lot of the plans that we had to get back to normal, at least a little more. Uh, than we have been able to recently. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Tell us what you think colleges and universities should be doing uh, to respond to the COVID-19 surge. Should they be shutting down? Uh, Should they be requiring vaccinations for people before they return? And what are you anticipating for next school year, fall of 2021, when I think all of us figured things would look really close to normal, but uh, it seems right now that uh, maybe that is in some doubt. You can also go to Facebook, you can go to Twitter and put comments there. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, and uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Gene uh, in Detroit. Gene, what's on your mind? Uh, good morning, Stephen. Hey. I'd like to ask Dr. Wilson uh, what he thinks would be the effects of the uh, United States uh, in- inoculating with their vaccinations while the rest of the world, uh, particularly hot spots like Brazil, South Africa, and India, uh, continue to see a rise in variants that may overcome our initial uh, inoculations before we can booster up. Great question, Gene. Uh, Dr. Wilson, go ahead. Yeah, that certainly is a a great question. There are parts of the world, particularly Brazil, as you mentioned, and India, that are are really having a a hard time of it. But, you know, what's even even more of an issue, in my opinion, is some of the the developing countries, and I I guess India will be part of that, particularly uh, rural parts of India, that, that can't get the vaccine, you know, um, and don't have it, and, and they can't afford it. And is there a international responsibility to make sure that some of the poorer countries can also vaccinate their citizens? And and my answer would be yes, um, because we all travel, and it's a global society. And even though I mean, we can inoculate everybody in the in the United States, and if uh, other places are having 
uh, uh, rampant uh, disease going on, it, it will affect the United States also. So I do think that uh, this is a global problem that requires a global solution. And uh, right now, we're nowhere near that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I also want to get you to talk, uh, Dr. Wilson, about vaccination efforts at Wayne and whether you think uh, a vaccination requirement is something that not, might be on the table at some point. Yeah. So first of all, we're we're very fortunate in that we're getting a good supply of uh, vaccines, and we have been for quite some time now. So we're at a position, I think, where the rest of the state is, where you know the supply is not the issue anymore. It's, it's really demand. And so uh, it's going to be really important that uh, students and faculty, for that matter, uh, and staff get um, vaccinated. Um, you know, we may be heading toward a mandate. Um, I, I didn't want to jump right into that mm. um, because, you know, there is time to make that decision uh, before the fall. I want to see what's, uh, what, um, you know, putting a mild incentive uh, uh, might do. Uh, so we did. You probably know, just uh, put in the incentive for students that if they can prove that uh, they've gotten vaccinated or getting vaccinated, um, you know, we would buy lunch for them to right. up. And, <laughs> um, and, you know, so far the response has been uh, really very, very positive. Uh, I never would have thought, you know, lunch uh, would be that much of an incentive. But I suppose if you're a, a college student, uh, you know, free meals are free meal. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, so so it's, it's had a very positive effect. You know, if, if it turns out that something like this is effective and, and people are voluntarily uh, getting uh, vaccinated, then uh, we may not have to do a mandate, but if if uh, but and, and, and we'll know in, in a matter of weeks. We, you know, we don't have to wait until you know August to make that decision. Uh, we'll we'll know whether or not uh, the response is, is good or not in in a matter of weeks, and uh, we'll make that decision then as to whether or not we need to uh, enter into uh, a mandate. Uh, right now, I I like to try to do everything possible to not issue a mandate and still get people vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Is there a number you have in mind that? that yeah, I think that, you know, I, the, the state has talked about 70% for, for its goal. I think it's got to be much, much higher for, um, for the college population. Um, you know, first of all, the, the age group that is um, um, most uh, at risk right now is 20 to 29 year olds are the ones that are getting uh, COVID at a disproportionate rate, mm -hmm. and fast um, catching up with that is a 10 to 19 year olds, and so we're right in the college age population. And in just in terms of the the you know things that go on on college campuses, the um, congregate living, the uh, athletic events, and things like that, um, you know, I, I just think it's going to be higher. We know from our health profession students, even without a mandate. When we ask them all to get vaccinated, um, more than 90%, close to 95% got vaccinated. Mm. So uh, we're going to have an aggressive goal. I, I'd like to see somewhere in the 90% um, uh, range. And if we can reach that, uh, that would be you know great for the campus and for the, for the region. Yeah, yeah. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Mike in Clinton Township. Mike, what's on your mind? 
What happens if we do not reach herd immunity? Hmm. Mike, that's a very that's a very dark question, but it's a very pertinent one uh, yeah. given the no, difficulties we've had. What does happen, Dr. Wilson, if if we can't get enough people to take the vaccination that we can say that we've reached herd immunity? Yeah. Well, what what two things um, uh, to note if that were the case. You know, one is that the public health measures that we uh, had in place that everybody uh, are tired of uh, would have to stay in place indefinitely. Uh, restaurants being closed, um, uh, limitation on uh, how many people can gather, uh, you know, all those kinds of things would have to um, uh, make up for the fact that there is no herd immunity and, and, it, and it would have to be followed stringently. Um, you know, the second thing is that the longer this uh, drags out, the more variants there is going to be. Mm. And the likelihood is that the variants that survive are going to be more virulent. And, you know, they're, they're going to have a selective advantage for survival. And that means that they're, they're probably going to be more transmissible. They're going to be um, uh, cause more severe disease and um, just going to be more, and be more resistant to treatment. And so the longer this uh, uh, drags out, the, the more vari- variables we're going to have. And like you said, uh, Stephen, that's a dark, dark scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I really appreciate the call and that, and that question. Uh, let's quickly go to Colleen in Marysville. Colleen, welcome to the show. Yeah, I was calling because um, I just wanted to say I'm a parent of a college student. Mm-hmm. And I am all for a mandate. My daughter is a sophomore in college. She's a biology major. And um, at this point, three of her four semesters have been affected. She had Mm -hmm. no labs this year. And three of her four classes for fall are remote, too, because her university has not imposed a mandate. Mm -hmm. So they are working with uh, still expecting limited capacity in classrooms. So the fact that they're reluctant to do a mandate means we're paying a lot of money for her education, and she's going to now have four out of five semesters not even in a classroom. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're planning to uh, uh, have in-person classes in the fall. And if we don't get to a certain amount of vaccination, we're going to mandate. Uh, it's just that we don't have to make that decision at this minute right now. But our goal is to... Um, is to open up in the fall for in-person classes as much as possible. Have a, you know, some uh, online and remote because it turns out that um, you know, remote teaching is not as bad as people thought it it, it might be. And so, so we'll have some of that, but um, we'll we'll be predominantly uh, in person and whatever it takes to do that. Uh, we will do, and if it takes a mandate, then that's what we're going to do. Mm. Okay, uh, M. Roy Wilson, president of Wayne State University. Uh, it's always great to have you here on the program. Thanks very much for uh, joining us and the listeners today. Well, thank you very much, Stephen. Always good to be with you. Bye-bye. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, it is Earth Day. And this year, we're recognizing it by talking about a term that is growing in popularity, environmental justice. Dr. Kyle White is one of 26 members of the new White House Environmental Justice Advisory Council, and he joins me next. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Detroit Today.